This is another sports podcast. and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres, here with Money Mike Gilchrist and Steve the Oracle Den Blaker, coming off of a very sad NFL Sunday for the two other guys on this podcast with me today. We'll get into all of that, but first, I have to ask Money Mike, how you doing today, buddy? You know, I'm doing okay. A little somber because the Celtics' nine-game losing streak came to an end last night. The Giants didn't win this weekend, so... You know, it, really, if, if you really look at it and analyze it, it's really your team's fault for not playing this week. This show is used to being sad and somber and having to criticize something. And since they didn't play, that energy was channeled to the Giants and the Vikings. So it's really the Jaguars' fault that we struggled this week. You know, so I, I blame them. Yeah, that, that's a fair assessment. Uh, it's usually the Jaguars' fault for all of my sadness. So I'm glad that they were able to kind of throw that some of that onto you just so it's not all on my shoulders steve how you doing buddy yeah not too bad i mean football aside life's pretty good but yeah it definitely <laughs> was a demoralizing loss for a team i mean i know we always talk about it on the podcast but you always have to temper expectations so i'm glad i at least i've always didn't put the vikings i feel like on that super bowl pedestal right now because i do think as we talk about later that the team's in a little bit of trouble for being eight and two. Can't never complain about a winning record like that, but I think we'll talk about it in a little bit how there might be some holes in the Vikings game going forward. So, and before we dive into this, we do have to take into consideration here that obviously the NFL is a week by week thing. Every single yes, week, we have for sure. We have we have a different opinion on our teams just based on the recency bias of how they performed in the past Sunday, Monday, or Thursday. But as long as you get your yourself to the dance. That's when it matters, right? As long as you can perform when it matters, then it's okay. And obviously, Bills fans have been telling themselves that after this kind of skid that they've been going on. They get a win uh, this past Sunday as well, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But first, we'll dive into the uh, first game of the day, and we're going to talk about the Giants going to, or no, they were playing in MetLife, hosting the Lions. The Lions get a big win on the road, get themselves to 4-6 and six as they defeat the Giants. 31 to 18 money Mike walk us through how you felt watching this game and how the Giants offense seemed to be faltering for a good portion of this game yeah I mean going into this game the Lions were the worst rated defense in the NFL they were one of the highest scoring offenses but one of the worst defenses that's why they haven't been winning games um by far one of the worst rushing defensive teams in the league so you thought okay the Giants strength is running the ball with Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones They'll be able to run all, all the way down Detroit's throat. And Detroit just came out and shut down Saquon Barkley. Like, he had nothing in this game in terms of a presence. Um, they didn't allow it. Uh, so they took that away. Um, and the Giants, uh, they really, their formula for winning football games is they need to be able to run the football, they need to play good defense, and they don't turn the ball over. That's been their formula and what got them to a 7-2 and record going into this game. They didn't run the ball well. They turned the ball over three times, which led to 17 points for Detroit, and they did not play great defense. So Detroit was executing on offense. They played really good special teams, too. Like, they would return uh, kickoffs and punts and put them in really good field position. And uh, defensively, Detroit just really stepped up. Um, Aiden, Rich Aiden Hutchinson had his amazing interception on Daniel Jones where it looked like he was going to be rushing the passer, and he dropped back into coverage. Daniel Jones didn't see him, and he gets an interception. 
uh, giving Detroit a really good field position. They converted on a touchdown. So I take, I, I've been saying all year long, it wouldn't be an embarrassment to lose to Detroit. Uh, I said that week one, and um, I still think that Detroit's starting to figure things out and they're, they play really hard under coach Dan Campbell. So all the credit in the world to Detroit. Uh, I'm not making the excuses that a lot of people are making where it's like, Oh, well the giants lost, you know, Wandale Robinson. Uh, now he tore his ACLs out for the season. Both of our corners went down. No, Detroit outplayed the Giants. The Giants are not a team that can make mistakes and use their talent to overcome it. A team like Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes can throw a couple of interceptions in the first half, but they are talented enough to overcome those mistakes and come back, whereas the Giants are not built like a team to come from behind. If you get ahead on the Giants early, you're most likely going to beat them. And in the NFL, if you uh, turn the ball over, even if you're a good team, a lot of times you're going to lose if you don't win the turnover battle. And the Giants didn't get any turnovers, but they turned the ball over three times. So it just was not a good day. Uh, the NFL season is a marathon, not a sprint. You're going to have some slow moments, um, uh, or you're going to ha- have some flat tires along the way. This is just a game where the Giants just didn't play well, and it's pretty poor timing because they're coming uh, into a short week this week where they have to play on Thursday uh, against Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. So rough rough game for the Giants. I'm not looking forward to Thanksgiving as I would have been a few weeks ago, just given the circumstances with injuries and it being a short week coming off of a loss, playing a team that just came off of a huge win. So it's uh, a little bit somber right now for the New York Giants and the fan base. I think you're on mute, Drew. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, no, I can totally understand stand that. Um, obviously, coming off of a loss, you're never going to be feeling good about how your team looked but i think they'll be able to turn around and at least make the cowboys game competitive um and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that later but i think talk about the detroit lions real quick the biggest thing that i think they've been able to do to kind of flip the script finally after all of these years of looking terrible is throughout all of those terrible years they never were able to establish a run game like at all uh they were never able to have a running back that was able to produce for them consistently they had guys like amir abdullah and others uh, that were just not really able to establish that run game to kind of help out Matt Stafford over the years and then over the past couple of years, Jared Goff as well. This game, obviously, they scored three touchdowns with Jamal Williams and one with DeAndre Swift. Uh, they were able to get the run game going and really just establish that complementary football that you want on the offensive side of the ball between the passing game and the running game. And then their defense showed up for the first time basically all season, so I'm sure that had to be something frustrating to see, Mike. Steve, uh, are you worried about the Lions making a run here? Um, I mean, if the Vikings play the way they, they do for the rest of the season as they sit against Dallas, then yeah, definitely I'm probably nervous for all of them, the Packers and the Bears included. But I, I mean, I don't know about worried is the right yeah. words, <laughs> but I mean, they are, a joke. <laughs> well, I mean, they are in a three game win streak. It's not inconceivable that they won't even make the playoffs. Is it probably unlikely? Yes, but they are second in the NFC North right now. I mean, they had the Packers and the Bears. And I do think, actually, Jamal Williams, I know I keep kind of touting him. I know Swift is there, too. But like you said, I do think he's a big key factor in a lot of their success this year. I mean, they have a lot of other people, obviously. I'm on St. Brown is an awesome wide receiver. They actually have a pretty good wideout class. Um, obviously, St. Brown's the big star out of there. But I think their offense is going to keep them in a lot of games. So, like... I mean, they beat us last year, the Vikings, when we were their first win out of two wins all of last year. So we always talk about divisional games, and we'll talk about, obviously, with the Cowboys and Giants coming up on Thanksgiving. So, I mean, I would say a little bit nervous, as jokingly as it is about the Lions coming up. They, I think they're a very 
good up and coming young team. Sure. Real, real, real quick, the uh, Lions' upcoming schedule—they they play the Bills on Thanksgiving, but then this is their next set of games: the Jaguars, they host the Vikings, the Jets, the Panthers, the Bears, and then they end with the Green Bay Packers. So the opportunity is there for the Lions uh, in terms of the quality of competition to possibly make a run. I mean, it's very realistic for them to squeak in and get one of those three wild cards for sure. I don't think they'll catch the Vikings for the division, but the opportunity to make the playoffs is there. And like you said, to start the show, Drew, all you have to do is make it to the big dance. And then anything is possible. Exactly. Anything is possible, especially. It, oh, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say, it's crazy because before this three game stretch, people were already calling for Dan Campbell's head after what, a year and a half almost. I mean, I heard a bunch of rumors, obviously like you hear, um, the Broncos head coach, I always forget his name. Um, Hackett. Yeah. Hackett was on Hackett there. Pat. There's, <laughs> there was a bunch of uh, head coaches on the chopping block, it seemed like. And like I said, before this three-game stretch, uh, you heard Dan Campbell a lot, too, even though he's beloved by the locker room. But I, it, we always talked about how these players are believing in him and really playing hard, and now it seems to be showing and at least producing wins as well, too. So it's just crazy to think of what a couple of good weeks can do, and then it seems like an easier upcoming stretch for the Lions. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh but one thing we do know is the fact that the Cowboys were able to absolutely decimate Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings this past Sunday in the 4 o'clock slot, which we kind of foreshadowed and we have talked about on this podcast numerous times that every time Kirk Cousins plays outside of the 1 p.m. slot on Sundays, it never really goes well. And this one certainly did not go well. The Cowboys defense just swallowed up Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, basically everybody on the offensive side of the ball for the Minnesota Vikings. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, they were able to eat the entire day. Tony Pollard had a massive day, played against him in fantasy, which was a little frustrating. But uh, I don't know if that was as frustrating as watching this game as a Minnesota Vikings fan. So, Steve, I will give you the floor. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it last week, too. I mean, obviously, in our pick'em's choice, I did pick the Cowboys. Um, again, you can't pick your team to win every week unless you truly believe they're going undefeated. But I just thought of this game coming in, we talked about the Viking struggles against the NFC East and how Kirk Cousins does not perform well under pressure in almost any case, even though he does have the weapons for it. For a person that when he has time, a quarterback that uh, uses a lot of his checkdowns, you would think that like that would come into more of a factor when there is pressure. I know you still need a little bit of time to get those running backs and tight ends like Hawkinson out there before you can do some checkdowns, but... I, I mean, I don't want to throw this all on Kirk because, like you said, the defense didn't show up. Pretty much none of the Vikings players showed up, and our offensive line gave him, I mean, almost half a second most of the time before Parsons and the crew, Lawrence, they were all already pretty much on Kirk picking his pockets. So it, it just was a tough game overall, especially coming off the high the the Bills game and stuff and that crazy game. But, like, like we talked about before the podcast, the NFL season is just kind of a roller coaster of emotions, and hopefully they learn from this and take a lot of things. And hopefully, my biggest fear is that it doesn't just open up the blueprint uh, for other teams to go in and just, like I said, as long as you can get at least a little bit of pressure on Kirk Cousins, then it seems like the Vikings' whole offense just seems to kind of fold. One like where like if even in our own division, if you do that with Justin Fields, at least he's gonna run all over you. We really don't have that dynamic player at quarterback that can really escape those that pressure situations and make something positive out of it. It's pretty much you gotta give him time and hopefully 
Justin Jefferson can do what he can do, and then same with getting Cook rolling. But, yeah, frustrating overall, but like you said, there's going to be games like that. It's just pretty demoralizing when I don't get to see my team on a lot regionally in New York, and it's so bad that they switch over the game. Deservedly so, but... Yeah, that was an unfortunate thing to happen. You don't see it that often that they cut the broadcast to a different game because the game they have is just not going well. Uh, Hilariously, if you were there for the exact moment, I'm pretty sure the people, like, uh, the commentators for the Bengals game also weren't expecting because they're like, oh, uh, welcome everyone else that was watching the Vikings game. It just seemed like they must have cut to them, like, went to the studio for, like, that 30 seconds and they were like, you guys have the rest of the whatever northeast whoever was watching the cowboy and probably texas obviously but <laughs> yeah that, that's that's it's just funny <laughs> yeah but uh money mike uh would you consider like metrics aside j- just by way of how these defenses can play when they're playing to their full potential and at their elite potential do you think the cowboys have the best defense in the nfl um yeah, I, I I think that that's fair i think uh that dallas is right now if they play at their peak ability they're the uh, team that is arguably one of the teams to beat in the NFC. I think the the conversation of who's going to win the NFC circles around right now the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the 49ers. Vikings have the record to be in that conversation, but based on their uh, you know games against two teams that are that I just mentioned, they're not really at that level yet, in my opinion. So um, I think that right now the Dallas Cowboys have one of the best defenses. Arguably, you know, you know they're not. I I don't want to say they're definitively the best. Um, because the best defense, you know, could be the Cowboys, could be the Bills. Denver has actually a really good defense. It's just their offense is so pitiful that nobody rem- recognizes that. Um, so it's just not you know, this week they weren't though. <laughs> no, no, but overall this season they yeah. played really well. Um, well, they they were fine. I mean, what the Jets... they gave up thirteen points in regulation, right? The Denver, yeah, or, or sixteen, whatever. They gave up a yeah. ton of ton and, of and yards. The, I guess points uh, wise, yeah. I just I I picked them up for fantasy and they got me negative four points. So uh, that just always feels pretty bad. But the, the Jets defense is fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Dallas is definitely in the conversation. Um, uh, they definitely have the best defensive line. <laughs> they definitely, yeah. you know, that's that's unarguable. But um, I think that. Definitely in the NFC, the 49ers are a really good defense. Um, so, and Tampa Bay has a pretty good defense also. Don't forget about those Buccaneers down in Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, never you would never could, forget Mike. about them because Tom's down there, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it definitely you have to give respect to the Dallas Cowboys. I kind of saw it coming. I said, hey, you know, I think that this defensive line is really going to cause some problems um, for Kirk Cousins. Um, and, uh, because I saw it firsthand when they played the giants and I just like, you know, the Vikings and the giants we talked about are pretty similar teams. And I was like, okay, I, I could, I could see Dallas coming in here and really they're, they were pissed off coming off of blowing that game to green Bay. There's no reason that the Cowboys should have blown that game, but I'll tell you something. I, what I loved about this game is that this was a game that the Dallas Cowboy fans look at, see, they, you know, have their parade, like, look, we're going to go to the Super Bowl, We're going to win. And so when their season eventually crumbles, as it always does, this is a moment where they're going to be from high and they're going to be super low. And I love that. So it's going to be awesome when they finally lose once again, not to be like the sore loser at all, because I really don't hate like any true fandom. I mean, Packers fans are probably like my least favorite of like the NFL. If I had a pick just because of the rivalry, but man, like, I, the amount of shit I heard from Cowboys fans of people I haven't talked to with friends that are Cowboys from friends from like college in like years it's like, Jesus Christ, guys, like, like, 
I already have a tweet ready. Like it's it's wild. Like I I don't even dislike the Cowboys. Like I wasn't like I mean obviously I was upset with how they played, but I'm like you guys are you guys are not. <laughs> it's like almost Yankees fans probably for baseball. Like they just came out of the woodwork, just like attacked me about how bad the team was. I'm like I I'm watching it. I can see it. Like so I'm like you're like Packers or Bears fans. I'm like it's they they face each other like maybe. <laughs> The New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys are the exact same team in two different sports. They have a yeah. similar fan base. They have a similar look in terms of color. They have a similar attitude. They're the same team in two different sports. Yeah. And I know a lot of I know a lot of Giants fans out there who are also Yankee fans. Uh, sorry to tell you that, but it's true. Yeah, it, that's not surprising. I mean, obviously, it, throughout the NFL, the fan base that's hated the most is the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I will say that it is always fun to see Stephen A. Smith come out of the woodwork and talk shit about the Cowboys whenever he can. That's fun. And you always see it. I don't know if you guys have seen the meme where it says, we them boys, and they literally just have the face of every quarterback that they lose to throughout the season just like <laughs> plastered on a, on a picture. That's funny. Yeah, it's 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 great. So and Like I, I said, it. I actually don't hate the yeah. Cowboys. Like I actually think they're a really fun, electrifying team to watch. And, like, obviously, I, like, I'm not in Mike's situation where – like, again, they're kind of like his Green Bay, in a sense, like Philly. It's like same type of thing. But like I said, it was just hilarious. Like, the amount of texts that came in. I had two different people text me skull, LOL. I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like we're already losing by like 43 points. You know, the the issue is you're not even an obnoxious Minnesota fan. Too, so <laughs> it's like, it's not worth it. Yeah, I, I I tell you this. I already have a tweet ready for Thursday. If the Giants somehow pull off the upset, I have it in all caps. It's gonna say, "How about them Cowboys?" There it is. Yeah, very original, Money Mike. I love it. Um, yeah. So uh, we're uh, gonna hop into the next game here. Speaking of electrifying teams, the Buffalo Bills, after going through all of the trials and tribulations of having to deal with 88 inches of snow in a weekend, they were able to somehow manage their way over to Detroit to face the Browns in a pseudo home game. Um, obviously a lot of things were coming into this game for the Bills that were working against them. They were barely able to practice during the week. They barely made it to the stadium. They had so many other things going through their minds as they're trying to shovel themselves or have other fans shovel themselves out of their houses. Um, which I think caused the team to come out in the first half looking a little flat. Josh Allen seemed to have his confidence a little marred coming off of that loss against the Vikings. He didn't really seem to be on it. He was missing throws routinely. And he just looked like he was completely out of sorts. But the Bills were able to turn it around and uh, get a win 31-23, to improving technically that stat that Money Mike always loves to bring up about the Bills in one-score games. They technically won this in a one-score game, so it makes that stat look a little better. Uh, Money Mike, how, <laughs> what, what were your thoughts of this game, and uh, were you surprised that the Bills were able to pull out, of, out the win? Oh, I, as, as soon as I found out that the weather wasn't going to be a factor, they were playing inside. I'm like, well, Buffalo's going to kill them now. I yeah. thought Cleveland had a shot if it was going to be a cold weather, snowy game because I was like, well, Cleveland can run the ball a hell of a lot better than the Bills can. Um, so that advantage that the Cleveland Browns would have had was taken away by uh, Mother Nature. Um, look, the Bills are a team that have been kind of, I think, in a good way for them overlooked in terms of conversation now about teams in the AFC. The other day I'm watching Fox NFL Sunday and they posed the question, who's the best AFC team? And they put four teams graphics up there and the bills wasn't one of them. I'm like, they're not even being considered. Now a couple of the analysts said, well, let's not forget about Buffalo, but you're looking at the standings, the casual fans like, Oh, they're even in third in their division. Like they're not even like really competing to win their own division. How are they going to win the whole AFC? 
So I think for the Bills, it's kind of like maybe how long will they be able to stay under the radar? If Josh Allen makes those big flashy plays and they're beating teams by 40 again, then maybe they'll be talked about as Super Bowl favorites. But um, these next four games really are going to make their season because they have a nationally televised game on Thanksgiving for everybody to see. I know it's against Detroit, but Detroit's won three straight games. Um, you, then you have to play in your division. You play the Patriots on the road. Um, you play the uh, Jets at home, and then you play the Dolphins, which is a rematch game. So both those games are rematch games against teams that have beaten the Bills. So these next four games will not only position them in the division, but it will maybe put them back on the map in the conversation of, is this team going to be um, a Super Bowl contender? And right now, because of the Bills' recent struggles, and Kansas City has kind of risen back up, it looks like that you know, hopeful storied rematch that we're all hoping happens between Kansas City and Buffalo in the playoffs is going to once again take place at Arrowhead. And it's one thing to beat a team twice in the in the season. It's one thing to try to beat them in the same stadium. I mean, the Bills last year won in the regular season at Arrowhead, but they fell short in the playoffs. I just can't imagine what all my friends who are Bills fans are going to go through emotionally if they get to Kansas City once again, but fall short once again. That's just going to be... It's going to, you know, what it's going to feel like, it's going to feel like if you were a Chicago Bulls fan in the late eighties, every time they have to go against the Pistons and every time you were just getting knocked away, knocked away. Well, you You know know? what the parallel with that situation is, even if the bills falter, once again, they'll still have a chance to win six rings. So, uh, we'll we'll see if the bills mirror the Chicago Bulls in that fact. Josh Allen's not Michael Jordan, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, uh, it's definitely something to think about the fact that the chiefs are kind of surging right now. They have all the momentum and obviously they, they just seem like the team to beat in the NFL right now. And it's not even really all that close. Um, before we go to you, Steve, here, shout out to Sir Burrito Bandit with the subscription in the chat here. It says, let's go Giants, let's go Yankees, let's go Knicks, secretly Raptors. Um, so, Steve, uh, in terms of the, the Bills-Cleveland game, how did you feel about uh, how the Bills came out? Yeah, um, uh, pretty slow. I mean, honestly, pretty sloppy game overall. Uh, like you said, I mean you have to play who's in front of you. And we all kind of knew, obviously, once it was determined that it was going to play, be played in Detroit, that it, it heavily favored, I think, the Bills in this game. Um, the Browns, obviously, with Chubb and Amari Cooper, can always at least do something. And it seemed like for a little bit that they both were kind of going to take over that game early, especially after that first drive. Um, but good on Buffalo for sticking in it. Um, they did make it, obviously, their type of game. Um, even though Josh did look a little sloppy. so But even with that, they did come out with a pretty decent win, kind of getting them back on track, which is obviously the most important part for them. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they did they did win, and they obviously have the kind of streaking Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, which will be exciting, too. I think that actually is going to be a pretty close game, honestly. Um I'm pretty excited to watch that game for Thanksgiving. I mean, obviously, Thanksgiving football is pretty synonymous anyways, but I do think that's going to be a hell of a game. And it, uh, obviously, the Bills being my second favorite team, I hope they win regardless. But like we talked about before, Detroit's still kind of in the in contention right now. Obviously, we have a pretty pretty good lead, as the Vikings do in the NFC North, but you never know. When it comes down to this game, I will say, though, when he threw out the, they did technically get it within a score touchdown. I did lose my fantasy league this week because, um, what's his name? 
Peoples Jones caught that last second garbage oh, touchdown. No. I lost by three points. <laughs> and I really wish the Bills would have not kept that stat, would have kept them out of the one score range, but that's okay. I was just going to say, I was screaming my TV, not just because they gave up just a needless touchdown, but because it did did cost me. I knew it was going to come into play because obviously that was just the one o'clock game. Yeah. But I looked in, he only had whatever it was, five, six points, and then he shot obviously right up to. Because it was a pretty decently good catch, too, for yardage. I think yeah. it was, like, a And he's a hometown or nine. guy they were talking about. Like, his yeah. family was there, too, which is Yeah. <laughs> no, my fantasy points, damn it. But, no, I have to add to this rant real quick. So, I had a terrible fantasy bad beat, too, this past, or last night. So, for anybody who watched, who didn't watch the Monday Night Football game, the Cardinals got absolutely destroyed by the 49ers, 38-10. to 10. Ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Cardinals pull all of their starters. I needed 0. 0.7 points oh, no. by to to win, and I had DeAndre Hopkins. I needed oh, one no. more catch by the damn man, and they pulled him. I was so mad because I thought I had it in the bag. I was like, they're gonna be a garbage time. D Hop's gonna get like five more catches. Oh, I hate fantasy sometimes, and I was ten and zero in that league too, so it just like it ruined my my undefeated record. So. In our league, Drew, I took a big shit on Chris Finley in our fantasy league, one thirty-five to seventy-five. Shout out. Shout out chins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out chins and your 60 point fantasy loss. Money Mike is so nice. But um <laughs> yeah, real real quickly too, I wanted to mention the the Cleveland Browns here. Obviously, their season is basically over at this point, even with Deshaun Watson coming back. In the next couple of weeks, he will be coming back to face his former team, the Houston Texans, which will be interesting to say the least. But it was just I remember at the beginning of the season, we thought that the Browns were, were gonna be just fine. You know, like they, they seemed like they were playing pretty well. They saw, they started off two and one, I believe. Um, and, and the run game seemed unstoppable. Nick Chubb seemed unstoppable. And I will say Amari Cooper has looked fantastic for the Browns, mm-hmm. even with their losing ways. So they seemed like they had just enough to to kind of hold hold up by the time Deshaun Watson came back. But certainly, Mike, it doesn't seem like the case. Yeah, I think that um, they had some games that they really kind of blew, like that game against the Jets where they had, what, a double-digit lead with two minutes to go. Yeah. Um, uh, they just are a team that just was like kind of like on the tier of being like at least good. And they had that game against uh, Cincinnati where they blew out Cincinnati at home. Like you're just like, you saw flashes of a really good team, but they just weren't able to hold any consistency. And unfortunately for them, I think that Watson coming back, he's going to come back to a team that even if they were to win out with him, they're not going to be in the playoffs. So yeah. it's kind of like... I, I don't want to say a wasted year, but it is kind of a wasted year because, you know, yeah. you, you're paying this guy a guaranteed amount of money um, and he only got to play in a handful of games and you're not even going to get a chance to, you know, get him in the game that you're really paying him for, which is to win in playoff games. Yeah, so. it seems like Kevin Stefanski might also be a guy that's on the, the hot seat too. I mean, he's had some coaching blunders this year and he has the team to be able to make a run. Even without Deshaun Watson, I feel like Jacoby Brissett could have done the job at least enough. To get them there but it just seemed like they would fall flat and they were so inconsistent so we'll see what happens with the browns here uh we'll move on to our next segment here that covers the games during week 11 uh that uh impact the show obviously the jags were on by so we were all saved the misery of having to listen to me talk about the jags lose another game and that kind of dives into our next topic here money mike saw this graphic here on instagram posted by sunday night football on nbc asking you to grade your team uh a to f a being super bowl bound B being playoff, C being cautiously optimistic, D concerned, or F it's so bad. <laughs> um, so I, I think, Money Mike, since you brought this graphic up first, 
I'm going to have you talk about your New York Giants. Uh, tell us what you think their grade would be at this point in the season. So at this point in the season, they're in. If the playoffs were to start today, they would be the sixth seed in the NFC um, and playing the San Francisco 49ers in the first round. But they're right behind teams like Washington. Atlanta has five wins. Detroit, who beat them, has four wins. Um, and the Giants' upcoming schedule is not easy. They play Dallas on Thanksgiving. Then they play two games against Washington. They have uh, two games against Philadelphia. The Colts, who are playing at least harder under Jeff Saturday. And they play Minnesota on Christmas Eve. So the Giants, I mean, really realistically looking at the schedule here, they need to win three or four of those games to feel confident about being in the playoffs. So I, I would give them a C. I'm cautiously optimistic because since they got off to such a good start, they might be able to benefit from that. But I'm not going to be solid enough to say they're a B where, oh, yeah, they're in the playoffs. I don't know if they are because I, with all the injuries that the Giants have with how tough their schedule is, I used to look at those Washington games at the beginning of the year and think, well, those are two easy wins. Now I think we might not win one game against Washington. As Steve said about the Vikings, if they played Washington again, would they win? Um, Dallas, it should beat us on Thursday. Um, Philadelphia should beat us both times. Um, so I, I feel good about beating the Colts. Um, and Minnesota, I don't feel that great about. So it's like, out of all of our games we have left, I'm thinking we, realistically, we might only win two. That puts us at nine wins. And I don't think that is a guaranteed playoff spot. It could be. It could be the, the seventh spot. But I would say for the right now, I could be completely different tone if the Giants pull off an upset on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to go with C. I'm cautiously optimistic about their chances this year. All right. Well, that's a very realistic take from you. Honestly, if you listen to this podcast, there's one thing you'll you'll know is that Money Mike is never overly confident about his New York Giants. He's very realistic with, with his reviews, and I commend you for that, my friend. But, uh, Steve, uh, we'll move on to your Vikings. Where do you think they fall in this grading system? I mean, it's got to be B. Um again obviously one game against one really bad game against the Cowboys it's it's enough to shake any fans expectations at least um I think even last week coming off the high the bills I still don't know if I would have put them in the Super Bowl for a um obviously a lot closer than it would be for this week but just based on their record and then the fact the NFC North is still still decently weak I mean obviously the lines are streaking the Packers have shown glimpses again of being good and then obviously you don't know what Bears team is going to show up lately I mean obviously Fields is doing a lot better now but I still think with the lead we have we're still four games ahead of everyone in there you have to at least put them in there for uh the playoffs it, until if it comes down to the stretch and it's closer obviously within a game or two then you can start realistically looking at C for the Vikings but I think just with the lead they built up in the division and um the fact that they do get to play everyone again the Packers, the Lions, and the Bears each again. I think we at least get one or two of those wins at the very least out of those. I don't know if we'll sweep all of them because they're divisional games like we did in the first half of the season, but that's already one or two wins again right there. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think the Vikings have set themselves up for a good spot to at least, like you said, get to the dance, and then it's just hopefully how we can improve on uh, giving Kirk Cousins a little bit of time and some of the other big holes that it seems like the Cowboys and, and the Eagles. I mean, people forget the Eagles put a big stomp on them on Monday night where you can't really change that channel on Monday night football like you can in, on a Sunday where there's another uh, game going at the same time slot. So uh, there's definitely some holes, but I think there's a solid B right now. That's where they'll probably be for a while. Yeah, and, and I think that's a fair assessment too. I think most people would agree with you there. As well, obviously, it sounds like they have that division locked up, like you said. So it's really just a matter of, of if they're going to be able to make a run once they get there, which is kind of the theme of this episode, it seems. Go ahead, Money Mike. 
Uh, well, since uh, you posed the question to the two of us, I'll ask you about the other two teams since you're more of a fan of those teams than we are. Uh, okay, the Jaguars, are they a D or an F? <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl bound, maybe? No. Uh, so for this season, it's an F. I mean, there's no possible way. They would, they would essentially need to win out or maybe lose one game at most to be considered for a, a wild card spot. There's no way they're catching up to the Titans. Um, so this season's kind of shot. Uh, so I, I'm kind of just hoping for the rest of the season that they show some improvements. Trevor Lawrence becomes a better quarterback consistently on a weekly basis. And then I think coming into next season, the Jaguars, I would be fitting them in as a C. You know, I, I think that hoping with the addition of Calvin Ridley, hopefully with the addition of whoever we draft, hopefully we have a good draft it'll end up putting a, us into that next tier because I re really do think they're very close. This team just needs to learn how to win and they need just that one more piece. And I think Calvin Ridley might be that guy if he's able to play up to his potential. Um, I would probably throw the Jags in D. I don't yeah. think this has been a complete waste of a season. I mean, obviously, like you said, I mean, your biggest goal is to obviously make the playoffs and see what you can get to do there. But the, I think the Jags have had some really big high spots that you haven't seen in a long time mm -hmm. in this team. I mean, ETN alone should be great for your future, obviously. Then, like you said, the development of Florence, where we've seen really high spots. But obviously, now, I've, being on this podcast, I watch a lot more Jags games, at least the highlights that I normally would have. So I think if you guys, like you said, have a few more pieces, um, then you guys could really push into hopefully making the playoffs the next, hopefully next season, if not in a couple seasons. So I, w I wouldn't give it a complete F, but that's just my my yeah. opinion. I would probably put you guys in the D D range. Yeah, and that's obviously the ceiling, I would say. And really, if they don't make the playoffs next year, it's going to be viewed as a huge disappointment because this team needs to be able to show some results with, with the way they've been trending. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll move on to the Bills here. Uh, I know you said you wanted me to kind of give my commentary on them. You go first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the the Bills, if there was like a an A minus B plus range, that's where I would put them right now. Because coming into the season and for most of the early part of the season, it would have been an easy A. But obviously they're they're encountering some adversity right now. They're they're not looking as good as we know they can be. But that's the most important part of that statement, right? It's we know they can be great, and it's just a question of whether they're going to be at that level when they reach the playoffs. Um, so for, for the time being, I'm going to say B because that's the limitation of what we're talking about right now, but they're definitely towards the higher tier of that B. And I think there's, they're very close to Super Bowl bound. They just need to get Josh Allen back on track. Uh, money, Mike, you can go ahead. I would say I'm in a similar boat, but a complete level down. I'm between C and B for the Buffalo Bills. I give them a B minus because right now, if the playoffs were to start today, the Buffalo Bills would travel to Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And you're big on Baltimore. You have I don't know if they I don't know if the Bills would win that game because they they struggled to win in Baltimore this earlier this year. They had the big comeback, but Baltimore is a team that I think will would be able to get them a second time, especially if it was in Baltimore. If it was in Buffalo, I'd feel more confident in the Bills, but the See, for some reason I'm just not as big into Baltimore this season. I I feel like they're so one-dimensional to a fault. Right, because they, they're struggling so much at receiver. Mark Andrews has been nursing an injury. And you got Duvernay, you know, who's kind of, he's like their number one guy. But it's all on Lamar. Real quickly, shout, out to, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to Shirai Rai TV with the raid of 16 people. 
Hopefully you guys enjoyed the stream with uh, with Shirai Ryu TV, and hopefully you enjoy some football talk because that's what you're going to experience here at twitch.tv slash Uncle Drew. Uh, so I, I guess we'll dive right into Steve. Uh, what do you think the where do you think the bills fall on this grading system? I think I'm actually almost right in between you guys. I think I'm a solid B. Um, we all think the Bills should make the playoffs. Obviously, they're third in the AFC North right now. I do think they're better than the Jets and the Patriots. I do think they will end up winning that division, which would make them, obviously, at least the fourth seed at the very least in the AFC. But um, yeah, my biggest concern is Josh Allen. I love the guy because of what he can do and the, the flashy plays he does and how he really does put the team on his back. And he does uh, – another thing I really appreciate is that when it he is playing like shit, he does – admit that he's playing like shit which kind of has been the last couple weeks he did have a lot better plays uh this week but i i do expect the bills to make the playoffs and i will mirror the fact that like you said too they have potentially the possibility to be the best team in the nfl we haven't seen as much in this past month but that doesn't mean they can't turn it on strong at the end of the year and become a solid a and then being the contention for being again the best team in the nfl um will we see it i hope so that would be a lot of fun at the end of the year if we see the bills from last year especially like mike said if we see a rematch from the game of probably going to be at least the decade if not more against the chiefs and the bills but i will mirror also what mike said earlier i think even as an outside bills fan i think they play better as the underdog anyways so i don't think this is the worst position for the bills to be in right now obviously you'd rather be the the team out there killing everyone by 40, not making them, not having to punt like they did the first game against the Rams, but that's not realistic for an NFL season. So yeah. I'm going to go a solid B. They're going to make the playoffs. I do think they're going to win the division still, even though they've had a little a bit of a dry spot. But I think I'm solidly in between you guys where I, I wouldn't put them A- minus yet <laughs> because I do think there's some really strong teams at the top of the AFC, but that doesn't mean they can't potentially do that going yeah. forward. No, that, that's a totally understandable grade. That's definitely the most cautious grade. Money Mike always trending downwards with the Bills. Me always trending up. And Steve is that kind of middle ground. That's why we brought him onto the podcast for the season. And it's so far gone pretty well, I'd say. Uh, speaking of not going pretty well, though, we're going to move on to our next topic here and talk about Zach Wilson. Um, so unfortunately, he's come out after losing to the, the Patriots 10-3. to uh, It was a 3-3 to game coming up to the final minute of the fourth quarter. The Patriots return a punt. Uh, with time uh, basically almost expiring, um, and they were able to pull out the win in a very, very boring stinker of a game between these two AFC East rivals. Um, after the game, Zach Wilson comes out and says, or they ask him, is he holding back the defense? Is the offense holding back the play of the defense? And he just emphatically says, no, period. Um, that was something... <laughs> That you don't really see, because like as you just said, Steve, Josh Allen is the type of guy that takes accountability when he doesn't play well, when he knows he's a huge part of the reason why the Bills get in, get a loss. Meanwhile, Zach Wilson, who everybody on earth knows is the reason why they, they lost that game against the Patriots, or at least is a huge reason why, uh, he seems to be living in his own world. So, Money Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on the attitude of Zach Wilson and the Jets going forward? Well, I, I have a friend who really can't stand Zach Wilson. He's like, I just, I just look at him, and he's someone I just want to punch in the face. And I'm like, yeah, because you, you know, he he comes across as like that kid it's who got the BYU effect. I'm telling yeah, you, he's he's BYU effect. I lived in Utah. He comes across <laughs> that guy who was like the cool kid in school who got 
everything he wanted. He could get any girl he wanted, which for a guy like me, that makes me hate him just alone. Um, and <laughs> he just seems like some kind of like he just seems like kind of a jerk. And he's the polar opposite of Daniel Jones when it comes to the two quarterbacks in New York. Like Daniel Jones says all the right things to the media. He says when he doesn't play well, like I can't make those mistakes. I have to play better. Whereas Zach Wilson takes no accountability. And it's like, okay, you're not, you're saying you didn't let your defense down when they held the opposing team to three points. You're saying you didn't let them down. Dude threw for 72 yards, bro. He had a, and in in the second half, he threw for negative 21 yards, negative 21 yards. Right. That's, and obviously, we're, we're not NFL quarterbacks here, so it's kind of dumb that we're talking shit here, but we're allowed to talk shit because we're part of the media, yeah. right, Mike? Now, what's funny is, <laughs> so when this game turned on um, on Red Zone, and my dad and I watched the punt return live, I was like, I'm like, come on, Patriots, pull it off. And my dad's like, he's always so puzzled by the fact that I like New England. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, the, the Giants beat him twice in the Super Bowl. I have no reason to hate these guys like everybody else does. Right. Um, and so, and, and because I like the Celtics and the Red Sox, I have a soft spot for the fan base. So I was like, come on. I was like, I texted a friend of mine. I was like, I hope your Patriots pull it off. Literally, as soon as I hit send, they return the punt and score. He's like, well, that was good timing. Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic timing. And before we jump to Steve here real quick, I want to give a shout out to Ian Poseidon, the guy who's been on the podcast before, big Panthers fan, ended up gifting us six subs. My man is spending money on us, so shout out to you for the support. We very much appreciate it. Real quickly, I want to also say this comment from Cerberito Bandit earlier uh, that I think Money Mike will appreciate. Uh, Let me see. Here it is. Uh, Giants are actually S-tier because they're winning the Super Bowl and eating Wheaties out of the trophy. Let's go, Giants. You know, I I love the optimism. I, I love it. It's great. I mean, the fact is, He's still a Knicks fan. He hasn't abandoned ship there, so his loyalty is clear as day. And you gotta love that. <laughs> exactly. Burrito will always. I would, say but I, but Sir Burrito Bandit, I would say if you're saying that you go Knicks but secretly go Raptors, you should flip that around. Like go Raptors, secretly go Knicks. Like keep the Knicks fandom a little bit softer, just because. I mean, my my God, it's not 1973 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said secretly he's a Raptors fan anyway, so he doesn't. Really I know, no, he should that. secretly be a Knicks fan and be a Raptors fan outwardly and publicly. Oh yeah, there. You go. <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> flip, the, flip the script on those two situations and now ian is talking shit by asking did y'all talk about the giants game yet i don't know <laughs> they beat the lions right <laughs> yes we did talk about the game money mike talked about his emotions going through it he completely accepted the loss and he took it like was a humble he i was, was humble. humble and and i even said that the i've been saying all year the lions are a team you shouldn't be embarrassed to lose to i will say the lions uh i mean the giants did beat the carolina panthers pretty humiliatingly yeah see there you go so there you go money mike (laughs) turned it all around but all right speaking of humiliating we'll hop back onto this topic real quick and move on steve what are your thoughts on zach wilson uh i mean again i lived in out in utah for like two and a half years but i lived in logan utah which is up at the top of utah and again i've already talked about this on the podcast but if you go to byu and i have a lot of mormon friends now they're all very very nice little strange people but that's okay (laughs) um They are literally looked down upon anywhere above Salt Lake City. Even if you go to the University of Utah and you don't go to BYU, you are not like the preppy type of like came from money or usually Mormon. So anybody from BYU, it's just like he just has that air about him. I don't know him personally. Maybe he's a very nice guy. I'm sure he is. But just even seeing his family on draft day and the fact he loves moms, (laughs) it's just a classic, (laughs) classic BYU thing where like you're this really preppy white kid that comes from money usually 
that was good at sports because you went on all the camps, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad leader or a good leader, but, like, I feel like it just... It, it... What, what are your thoughts on uh, Booger McFarland's comments that he made yesterday about how Zach Wilson is a guy that came from money, so that means he doesn't know how to take accountability? I mean, that's a little bit too far, too. I'm not saying he yeah. can't do it. It's just, like I said, I've also heard, because some of my friends have known Zach Wilson not like well but like knew his family and stuff because they were pretty prominent in utah because they they were rich um and and like i don't i don't know his character personally but you just kind of get this air about him just how he even reacts to the media now just because you come from money you're rich doesn't mean you can't play football or be a leader you definitely can i think you have to develop some of those skills in a different way and actually show it on the field or in the media you can't just ignore a question like that i did see the clip circulating do you guys remember when they were showing his draft footage and they just showed the one from uh his uh pro day where he like had that crazy like perfect pass it was like this is the pass that tricked <laughs> the new york jets into drafting zach that Wilson pass second. made him so much money like it's crazy yeah how that works, isn't it? <laughs> and, and i actually don't think he's that bad of a player but at the end of the day like if you have a shitty game like that you kind of have to own up to it in a way yeah, so if you have a shitty attitude it can really just may, ruin the and maybe yeah. he can develop it but i'm sure he's pissed off too but at the end of the day you got to be a bigger man than that so hopefully he can develop it's just like i said there's just this air about him that like even if you would tell me cool. yeah probably honestly like realistically that would have been way better for the jets but if you told me he was from utah went to a college and you showed me like that clip, I'd be like, oh, he was the quarterback of BYU. <laughs> That's all I'll say about it to end it. But Well, there you go. Well, Steve gives us a unique insight with his experience in Utah and knowing some people that know Zach Wilson. So that's very interesting. You only hear it here at another damn sports podcast, those types of takes. So uh, we'll move on here to talk about the NFC East. Uh, Money Mike, what are your thoughts on the fact that the Eagles were able to squeak out a win against Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts 17 to 16? I'll be honest, the Colts choked. They had the game. All they had to do was just make one more stop, a stop that they've been making every, every other drive in the game, basically. And uh, Jalen Hurts showed that he's able to be resilient. He's able to make that clutch play and get the win for his team. So, Money Mike, how do you think the NFC East stacks up right now? Well, to answer your first question, how did I feel about the choke of the Colts against the Eagles was very frustrating because I, I knew the Giants were losing to the Lions and it was like, come on, well, at least we lost, but the Eagles are going to lose and hopefully the Vikings can beat Dallas. This is before the game started. Um, and so I was like, okay, the Giants had a bad loss today, but maybe they won't really lose any ground. Like, this would be great. Um, so when the Eagles won, it was just kind of like, oh my God, they squeaked out yet another game. Um, and so that was frustrating. Um, right now, I think schedule-wise, based on who has who left, I still think the Eagles should be favored to win the division. But I do think that on Christmas Eve, the Dallas Cowboys will beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. Um, I do think that Dallas is the better team. I think that Dallas is the best team in the division right now. I think the um, Giants are maybe, unfortunately, I hate saying this and I hope I'm wrong, but they're starting to maybe trend, they might start trending downward. I know they just lost only one game, but they, if they lose two in a row, um, you know, with the upcoming game on Thursday, which more than likely the odds are that they, they will, um, Washington's trending upwards. Uh, the Eagles are kind of just staying kind of where they are. Um, but Dallas is definitely trending upward. And I think that Dallas is the better overall team than the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and I could see the Cowboys beating the Eagles in a playoff game too. So 
I think right now the team that will win the division on record will be Philadelphia. But I think the best team in the division is Dallas. All right. Well, that's a fair assessment. I think a lot of people would agree with you right now on that. But that game between Dallas and Philly is potentially going to be very important. And it will be interesting to see the matchup with Dak this time as opposed to Cooper Rush. It will be a much more dynamic matchup, most likely. And it will be interesting for sure. The issue, before I go to you, Steve, the issue that I see with the Giants is, like you said earlier, they're just not a team that's built to come from behind. And it's hard to fall into that perfect scenario so many times where the Giants are able to just kind of run the ball, play perfect offense from the standpoint of not turning the ball over, and be able to just kind of nurse that lead and make the play at the end of the game when it counts, right? It's so hard to do that on a consistent basis. Team, sure. Teams that are successful and can make it to the Super Bowl and, and win are the ones that are able to win in all sorts of ways, right? And I, I think that's that's the issue that, like you said, you, you guys are running into is, is you guys are gonna, about to experience some different situations and let's see how Daniel Jones and company can respond. Um, I noticed you didn't say anything about the commanders though, did you? I said they were up, trending upward. I said they were trending okay. upward. I, I, I They're Exciting. trending upward. And this is the this deep into the season, this is the best record that the NFC East has as a whole division since 1970. Wow. That's actually pretty great. And I mean, dude, this te- this division, we've said it a couple times on this show. This division seems like it's like one of the best, if not the All best. All four teams can make the playoff. Yeah, it's, it's looking fantastic. So, Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, about the Colts and Eagles game. Um, I also was really rooting for the Colts. Again, this is before the Vikings-Cowboys games because if the, <laughs> the Eagles did lose one, at least we'd be tied. They would have obvious, have the obvious tiebreaker with the head-to-head. But um, yeah, I thought they were going to pull it out. But like you said, Hertz kind of just ran the ball on that last drive and kind of ran all over the Colts and put them in a position to win and put the Eagles up. And that's what good teams do. I like Mike kind of mirror the sentiment that I think if they played right now, the Cowboys, even though they did lose to him with Cooper Rush, are the better team. But we get a good sense of that when they played later this season to see which one it is um, is the better team. Because the, even though the Eagles are still 9-1, and one, I think they have been at least slowly on the decline, at least from the big hype train they were on at the start of the year. Again, they're 9-1, and one, best, best record in the NFL. So you can't really say they're they're really trending that down i just think that their play hasn't been at least as accelerated as it was at the start of the season probably agree with you when you say that too yeah i mean the team and they know right it's like even against the texans it was a close game which again any given sunday like any team can beat anybody but we've kind of seen this texan team from at least the small little like highs they've had kind of falter a lot of the other games they got recently by Washington this past summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I just think the Eagles, like, they're still winning these close games, which is important. But I think, like you said, if you had to put the two teams up against each other, not records aside, you would probably think that Dale, Dallas is on the the higher-ups than the Eagles right now. Schedule's been incredibly wise. easy. Yeah. Their schedule yes, this year is incredibly true. easy. They, they, I mean, they beat um, – Washington, when they were struggling, they beat Jacksonville, they beat Arizona, they beat Pittsburgh, they beat Houston, they beat, um, you know, they, they beat Dallas the Cowboys when they were shorthanded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 beat, um, they beat up on Minnesota, who, when they don't play at 1 o'clock, you know, you never count <laughs> on them. Uh, and, then, and then they played the Lions week one. Like, the Lions are still that team that's trying to figure out how to win. And they almost so lost that game. Yep. I know, that they was almost a, lost. <laughs> that was a close game. Right. 
Real so, close so, game. And that, that narrative is valid, right? And obviously Eagles fans will tell you, well, you just got to play who's in front of you. And, yeah. you know, like, like the, the record speaks for itself. And there's some validity on both sides, for sure. Um, so that's why we're so excited for that Cowboys-Eagles game. But I have to ask you guys a definitive yes or no. Mighty Mike, we'll start with you. Do the Washington Commanders make the playoffs? Yes. All right. Steve, what do you think? No. I think oh. it'd be close, but I don't think they do it. Yeah. It'd be cool if they did, but I'm going to say no. The 49ers look so damn good. So that means either so, the Giants so, or the Commanders don't make it. <laughs> so so here's my here's my theory. The Giants and the Commanders, the Seahawks or 49ers are going to get those um, two of those last three spots because the loser between Dallas and Philadelphia, whoever doesn't win the division, is going to be the clear-cut number one wild card. So that leaves two wild card spots left for three teams. And I think those three teams are the loser of the AFC, uh, the NFC West between Seattle and San Francisco, more likely Seattle, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the Giants and Washington. Those three teams are going to fight for those two spots. Cause I don't think Green Bay is going to come out of the North. Neither will Chicago. Uh, maybe Detroit, if they can go on a run, but I, right now I'd say no, just cause the Giants had such so many wins to start the year um, where they're kind of ahead of them in that regard. Yeah. Um, but so I think that those three teams will be fighting. And unfortunately for the giants, they lost to Seattle already. So they need to win the, those games against Washington are very crucial for the giants playoff chances. They need to win at least one, if not both of those games. Yeah. That, that that's a, that's a lot of pressure on the, on the giants to be able to, to perform and we'll, we'll see if they'll be able to do that, but that's interesting. So money Mike says the commanders will make the playoffs and Steve says they won't, but it's just so interesting that we're even having this conversation. Um, we'll move on to our next topic of conversation here, and that is where we are going to talk about who we think are the favorites in both conferences of the NFL right now. Um, boys, do you think the the teams that these two quarterbacks play for are the favorites in their respective conferences, the Steelers and the Packers? Are they the favorites? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> not even close. It's not 2010. <laughs> That's a stark no. No, I, 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 like I say every week, I have to find a reason to put these pictures into our show, and here we go. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to move on to this slide that just shows us all of the NFL teams. And Steve, we're going to start with you. Who do you think is the favorite in the NFC right now, and who do you think is the favorite in the AFC? Uh, I'll start I'll start AFC first because I think it's the most obvious. I think you kind of have to give it to the Chiefs at this point. Um, they've just proven – that they really are the top dog still in the NFL. feel like I brought up this comparison before, but every year when Tom Brady was in New England and they were on that really epic stretch for that decade, pretty much, um, it was almost, uh, even if they had a down game, everyone was like, oh, Tom Brady's lost it, he's too old, and it was always doom and gloom because almost the media had to kind of create this concept and this like narrative that that this New England team wasn't as good as they all are. I think the same thing happens with this Kansas State Chiefs now. I think they've hit that like upper echelon of teams and players that like when the Chiefs do a little do okay or even trending down a little bit for a few weeks and it's all doom and gloom. They're not the same. They gave up Tyreek Hill. But I think the AFC runs through the Kansas State Chiefs. I know the Bengals beat them last year in Arrowhead in overtime. Um, and I'm not saying that this Bengals team with how good the offense is can't do that again if they get to the playoffs, but I think everyone in the AFC looks at the Chiefs and thinks they're the top dog, um, in my opinion, at least. Um, there's a lot of other good teams. I think the NFC is a lot tougher now. I it, It's tough to say that with a team that has the best NFL record in it is the 
Eagles had, but we just spent five minutes talking about how they slightly are trending down at least on play style. At the end of the day, I don't want to give it to it, but the Cowboys are looking really good. I mean, they're playing, they're hitting on all cylinders, but to call them the favorite still when they still have, again, the NFL leading record (laughs) holding Eagles in the same division is tough. Um, But I guess if you had to put a gun to my head today, I'd probably pick the Cowboys as NFC favorites, in my opinion. There's a lot of other things that can happen, a lot of other tough teams, and it's tough while my team also still has a better record than them. But we just saw how they played against them and match up, at least on paper, last Sunday. So I'm going to give it to the Cowboys and the, the Chiefs are my two picks. All right, yeah, that, that, those are definitely fair picks. I'd say that would be a popular pick for a lot of people if they were posed this question. Uh, before we go to Money Mike here, got to give a shout-out to Notscash, giving us a subscription and saying, fuck Drew. Hey, well, very much appreciated. <laughs> fuck you too, Skash. <laughs> um, but... Uh, wow, what is <laughs> oh, this is very normal between me and not Scash. That guy's a motherfucker. Um, all right, Mike. well, he's my favorite subscriber now. <laughs> it, is that name a sex position? What is that? <laughs> the man's name is not or Scott Nash, so he just flipped, the, flipped the letters. Nice. But uh, so we will now dive into what Money Mike thinks here between the AFC favorites and the NFC favorites. My guess is that he is picking the Bills to be the AFC favorite, and he's picking the Giants to pick to be the NFC favorite. Money Mike, am I correct? No, not on either one. Uh, first <laughs> of all, I'm really concerned with this graphic because I'm afraid there's going to be a mob of people on Twitter that are going to try to cancel us because you have the Redskins logo on oh, here. Oh, jeez, I didn't um, even notice that. <laughs> so I, I'm nervous that we, Ooh, might, uh, we, we might be canceled. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, I'll say for the AFC right now, I agree with Steve. I think it's only fair to give Kansas City the not. I know that Kansas City lost in the AFC Championship last year to Cincinnati, but right now, I think the Chiefs are showing that they have the best quarterback in the NFL. They have one of the best head coaches, if not the best head coach currently coaching at the moment. I know Bill Belichick has the best resume, but in the moment, Andy Reid is the the coaching the best football consistently the last like five years. Um, and then you have Travis Kelsey, they've got a bunch of weapons for Patrick Mahomes. And so I just think that the chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. Um, and I think that the NFC, I listen, we, if you guys remember a few weeks ago, I made a prediction that the San Francisco 49ers were going to win the NFC. And I'm sticking with that. I think the San Francisco 49ers if healthy, have a really great defense. Jimmy Garoppolo, say what you will about him. He knows how to win football games. Mm-hmm. You have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. You have uh, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, um, and uh, you have um, Kittle. Uh, so, I mean, they've just got weapons. They've got coaching. They've got the defense. I just think that the San Francisco 49ers right now are the best team in the NFC. I know their record is 6-4, and four, but I think that they are, it, once like we talk about, get to the dance. They're going to get to the dance, and they I think they're right now they're better than Philly. I think they're better than Dallas. They're definitely better than the Giants in Washington. I think they're better than Minnesota. I think they're better than any team in the NFC South. And I think they're the best team in the West. So for me, I think the San Francisco 49ers are maybe even this should be the Super Bowl favorites. I really feel that strongly about San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, it kind of pains me to say that I would agree with Money Mike here, but I'm also going to go with the Chiefs and 49ers for all of the reasons you just said. It's debatable to say that the 49ers seem like they have the best team right now from top to bottom. Um, so yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to not choose them from my standpoint 
for the NFC. And then as uh, you guys are both saying, the Chiefs just seem very dominant right now. They're a team that knows how to win in any circumstance, and that is a dangerous team. Uh, just to kind of give give the people in the chat a little bit of a uh, ability to also participate in this as well. Ian says, Bengals, Bucks, you watch. Uh, okay, that, that's an interesting pick. It's definitely out of, out of out of nowhere, but it's definitely possible. It's not like hey, you never bet against Tom Brady, right? Yeah, you can't bet bet against Tom Brady, and uh, the Bengals—they somehow made it last year, and they could do it again. So uh, you never know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think definitely Chiefs 49ers. Real quickly, uh, Money Mike, if uh, not Scash and Hijinks were were to play Mortal Kombat for money, who do you think would win? Between who? <laughs> Not Scash and Hijinks. Which name? Who has the blue gloves? <laughs> Who has uh, the blue gloves? Who's in the blue corner? <laughs> yeah, who's in the blue corner? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, you know what? Because I like the name. I'm going with N Scash. N Scash. There we go. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Money Mike. Money Mike is in your corner. Not Scash. You're welcome. <laughs> Not Scash. Oh, N Scash. Oh, whatever. Zumba pants. You know, I, yeah, I know yeah, how to yeah, pronounce Yeah, Money Mike doesn't know how to say names. So they, they, excuse him here. <laughs> J.A. Morant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> That is the worst name mispronunciation I've ever heard you have. It's J.A. Morant. That, that was funny. Because I, I, at the time, I was looking at it logically. Like, who would name their kid Ja? <laughs> <laughs> right. Boo. Boo, boo, boo. All right. Well, uh, we'll move on to the Week 12 picks here. Move on from the past and look towards the future here for the NFL. We'll get the music going here. And uh, all right. So we got an exciting slate of games. Obviously, the Thanksgiving games will be going on this week. Three games on Thursday, starting with the Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions at 1230 Eastern. Honestly, every single year on Thanksgiving, I always just kind of loathe having to watch the Detroit Lions game every single year because it never seems to be a good game. It never seems to be against a good opponent. But this year, obviously, I'm excited. Buffalo Bills are playing in Detroit for the second week in a row after having to relocate to Detroit to play the Browns. I am picking the Bills to win here. This is a game they should win. I know the Lions are feeling good after beating Mike's Giants. But the Bills are a completely different team from them, and I think they will be able to win a potential shootout if the Lions are able to put out points. Uh, Money Mike, how do you think this game's going to go? Well, I'm going to keep a Thanksgiving tradition. Every Thanksgiving, I turn on the TV at noon. I pull for the Lions to win because they're just like those lovable losers, and they always let me down. So <laughs> for some reason, the Lions always seem to play well when they play the Giants over the last, like, 10 years. Um, they seem to, you know, win that game, which, ugh. But... I think that that tradition is going to stay. The Lions, I will pull for, but they will lose. All right. So I'm picking the Bills. All right. Well, Money Mike picking the Bills, that's always a treat. Uh, Steve, how do you think this game's going to go? I will also be picking the Bills, but unlike Drew, I always look forward to the Lions playing on Thanksgiving because they usually lose and they're in the Vikings division. And sometimes the Vikings are on at that 1 o'clock slot, which is uh, Kirk Cousins' favorite time. But I will give them credit. Back in the day with Stafford and Kelvin Johnson, during that those heydays, they had a couple good games in that, that stretch on Thanksgiving. But I will also be picking the Bills for everything you guys have said. Um, I think I think it will be close. I do think Lions will put up some points against the Bills, but I do think Josh Allen, the Bills will be too much for them to handle. And I don't think the defense against the Lions, for the Lions, is going to play as good as they did this weekend against the Bills offense. All right. Uh, so three of us picking the Bills. I guess there's really no surprise there. Uh, Ian says that the Lions are going to win. So uh, they could. Betting. They yeah, honestly they could. could. There, there's a possibility. They are trending upward. And the you're right, Ian. Kind of I hope you're right. 
Yeah, Money Mike is hoping you are right so he can continue to troll. But we'll move on to the next game here on Thanksgiving, and that is the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. We've talked about this game extensively already. Money Mike, how do you think it's going to go? So I'm going to preface my comments with this. If you are someone who likes to gamble, pick the Cowboys. Put your money on the Dallas Cowboys. My pride has me picking the Giants. But I think the Cowboys are going to win. So my official on-the-record pick for the standings is the Giants. But I think the Cowboys are going to win. That's my that, Those are my comments. Are you saying regardless game. of spread, Mike? Because uh, the money line is going to have a lot of juice. <laughs> so I don't think that's really going to be worth it. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll say just pick the Cowboys. If you're a betting man, pick the Cowboys. That's what I'm saying. All right. So Money Mike thinks that they're going to lose regardless of the spread. Uh, but I'm the, picking. But on the record, Steve, write down that I picked the Giants officially. <laughs> okay. Steve, how do you think this game's going to go? I'm going to pick the Cowboys. I don't think it's going to be by, four, by 40 like Poseidon <laughs> thinks it's going to be. <laughs> I do think because it's a divisional game, I think it'll be a little bit closer than that. I think the Giants actually hang with them. I don't think the Cowboys are going to put up at least initially the type of points they did against the Vikings, but I do think probably around the second half is when the Cowboys will probably pull ahead and then probably keep it there for the game. So I will pick the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry, I will Mike. say the Giants are a second-half team, even in the Lions game. They scored more points in the second half than they did the first. So we'll see if that goes against the game script, like Steve says here. Uh, Burrito says Giants have a 24-point comeback in the fourth that crushed Dallas fans' hearts. Go Giants. Hey, that's wow. a good... So he's predicting they're going to struggle at first, but have this amazing comeback. I like it. I, yeah. I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, 24 points in a short period of time. That is not the Giants' MO, but who knows? Maybe they'll be able to do that this time. Uh, I'll be picking the Cowboys here as well. Um, I just think the Cowboys are trending in such a great direction right now. And playing the Giants at home, I think they're going to be confident. I, obviously, after already getting one win on them this season, I think unfortunately it will be two. Um, we'll move on here to the next game in our rotation and that is the Baltimore Ravens, just kidding, New England Patriots at the Minnesota Vikings. We have a stake in all three of the Thanksgiving games this year. This is a big one, Steve. Uh, to kind of get right after that drubbing you guys took from the Cowboys, do you think you guys will be able to get right against the Patriots? I think this one's going to be a tough game too. I, I am going to pick my Vikings. I do think think they have the potential to have this be kind of a get right game um but the thing that scares me is that new england defense that obviously the jets going into that game everyone knew their offense wasn't stellar but it was at least trending decently upwards in terms of like the old jets from a few years ago obviously we all know the jets defense is what's been keeping them in a lot of games and really forcing it but the jets offense you wouldn't call it expecting them to get three points going into that game um so that that part definitely scares me um having the vikings face a bill belichick still led new england defense do i think the vikings can win and should win i do think they can and should it's if we can really give kurt enough time um it is prime time so again like mike said if you're betting <laughs> take that into consideration i hope vegas has actually been adjusting for some of those stats I don't know how a man could physically have that bad of a record on prime time compared to his one o'clock games, but Kirk Cousins has done that. Yeah. But I do, I do think that the Vikings will get back on track, and I do think they will come out with the W on Thanksgiving and hopefully wake me up for my cryptofan nap probably at like seven yeah. to eight o'clock at night. So 
that that late game on Thanksgiving is always kind of the rough one to make. It's rough. <laughs> it's a, yeah, you're, you're filled with food. You're, you've just been you've been stuck socializing with your family all day. You just kind of want to take a nap and go to sleep. But uh, this is gonna be a good one. I am not gonna fall for this again. Uh, the two times Kirk has lost this year, the two times he has not been in the one p.m. slot, <laughs> I have picked them. I have picked the Vikings, and they have lost both times. So I'm picking the Patriots here solely on that fact. I cannot tr- trust Kirk Cousins outside of 1 p.m. on Sundays until he starts to show me something. So I'm picking the Pats. I'm sorry, Steve. It's actually crazy. Like <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Funny, Mike, how do you think this is going to go? You know what today is? It's the 10-year anniversary of the butt fumble, which was a night Thanksgiving game against who? The New England Patriots. I think the New England Patriots will win this game. Um, because Coach Bill Belichick knows how to take away your number one option, and that is Justin Jefferson. So I don't expect Justin Jefferson to have a big game in uh, in this game. And I think the Patriots offense will at least bounce back because I don't think the Vikings defense is nearly as good as the Jets defense is. So I th- And it's also indoors, so it's not like the, the weather's going to be bothering any of the players. Um, and the Vikings have shown just because they're at home does not mean they're a lock to win. So <laughs> um, I'm going to go with New England as well. I thought I'd be the only one to pick the Patriots, but Drew's, uh, you know, going along the same thing. It's again, it's Kirk Cousins. At, it's not at one o'clock. So you got Bill Belichick against, you know, Kirk Cousins, not at one o'clock. Who do you who do you put your chips towards? I put them towards Bill. Yeah, it's the logical decision, of uh, and right now the lot- East is dominant in the AFC and the NFC, so you right. got to go with the team from the East. That's true. Yeah, Ian says here in the chat, Pat's low-key a team that could make a playoff run. They're already in the playoff run, man. Yeah. They would make the playoffs if they started today. Uh, so they're they're trending in the right direction, as the Patriots always seem to do. It's very frustrating. Um, but we'll, we'll move on to uh, probably the easiest decision of all four of these games we're going to talk about today. Uh, the Jaguars are going, or they're facing the Ravens at home at TIAA Bankfield, coming off of a bye. Trevor Lawrence is feeling good. He's ready to come off of the bye and turn this, this season around, win out, and make the playoffs. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen because they are going to lose this game to the Baltimore Ravens, and my sadness will continue. They will go to 3-8, and eight, and we're going to get another top-10 pick in the draft, and it's going to be uh, fantastic. Uh, go ahead, Mike. You're going to pick the Ravens. I know you're big on them on them this year i don't even need an explanation baltimore go ahead steve same (laughs) all right quick and easy that is not (laughs) usually the case with this podcast we love to give as much commentary as possible but this time we are moving on so we will move on from football american football uh, and talk about money mike favorite sport that is what he would call soccer as the typical american uh no the uh the world cup uh has started this past weekend and the U.S. played their first match against Wales on uh, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. They played, uh, honestly, a very entertaining one-to-one game. I, I, I enjoyed watching every minute, minute of it. They were playing hard. You, the U.S. in the first half, they came out strong. They were looking like the better team. The ball was on uh, the Wales side of the field for most of it. Uh, they were able to get a fantastic goal. Um, shit, what the hell is the guy's name, number 21 here? Do you, do you know, Steve? Uh, yeah, but I it's also like, am trying to blank. I can look it, it up Wea, for us. Uh, Wea, something it's like that? Something like that. Yeah. I can look it up well. Yeah, but either way. So he gets the goal. Fantastic looking goal. Uh, they go into half up 1-0. And then in the second half, Wales just came out looking like the more aggressive team, the more urgent team. Uh, they were they kept the ball on the U.S. side of the field. For the most part, the U.S. was able to make some runs. And 
They had some opportunities at goal, but they put the U.S. goalkeeper to work. He had to make a, a couple amazing saves. And unfortunately, a U.S. defender ended up making a very poorly timed, poorly decided tackle in the box, which gave, um, I'm not remembering anybody's names, Garrett, this guy in the picture here, he was the one that kicked the PK for Wales. Uh, the U.S. goalkeeper ended up choosing the right side, but the ball bounced off his, his hands, and it's a goal. Game ends 1-1, one one, uh, and the U.S. and Wales are both at zero points for their group. Iran is down because they lost to England, I believe, 6-2. to two. And England is obviously at the top uh, after getting the win in their first matchup. So, Steve, what were your thoughts on this game? Uh, did you like how the U.S. played? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the MO that everyone, when they looked at this group, kind of thought it was going to be. I mean, England's getting out. They're going to probably win all three games. Maybe draw against, hopefully, us. <laughs> That'd probably be the one way we get in. Um us or Wales, um, and then everyone's just going to beat up on Iran, most likely. They have decent defense, but this game was really important for the U.S., so the way they came out really strong, like you said, in the first half was really encouraging to see, especially going up 1-0. The second half, not as much, but you knew a team has to kind of come back out in the second half, like at any sports, and hopefully make adjustments, which Wales did, so... Um, it was encouraging for a lot of it. Getting the draw kind of stinks because those points were definitely going to be pretty important for who moves out of the group with England, us, or Wales. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see what happens out of it because it could come down to a, a goal differential, I think, of who comes out of us or Wales. But for those of you that also don't know, not to get a huge rant, um, one of the biggest upsets in soccer history happened today also. Leo Messi's led Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia. They were a plus 2,500 underdog, which is pretty crazy in soccer. Yeah. Um, their biggest biggest underdog win in any international games since 06, I guess, based on Vegas odds. So it's been a really exciting World Cup, honestly. I mean, a lot of games have been really close. A lot of even big powerhouses have been tested. So hopefully, like a lot of sports we've talked about, uh, maybe – the fields are just getting closer and closer between these big powerhouse teams. Like you have your European powerhouse, your Brazils. Obviously, we haven't seen Brazil play yet, but still, yeah. it's it's been a really fun World Cup. I I love the World Cup. Yeah. So in terms of soccer, like I used to be a big Chelsea fan because I played FIFA and I loved Fernando Torres. He was my favorite player. Yeah. And everything, and so like that, I was a big fan of them. But in terms of watching soccer, the only time I can really get into it is when it's the World Cup, and it's just the the monumental stakes. Of the World mm-hmm. Cup, obviously, you're, you're trying to back your country, especially with the U.S. being a massive underdog, as they always are. You just want to see them pull out the win and get as far as they possibly can in the tournament. But I know my podcast co-host here of uh, over four years at this point uh, is not the biggest fan of soccer. So, Money Mike, did you catch the game or were you just uh, you're like, nah? Well, so I was getting my haircut yesterday and it was on in the barbershop. Um, so I was watching it there. And when I got home, I put it on. And had it on as like background noise, but I'm like sitting there. I can't. I, I just can't sit in front of it. And watch. Like, l- let me preface my comments with this, okay? When it comes to soccer, I think soccer. I respect people who play it because you have to be in incredible shape to play soccer. Conditioning wise, you have to be in fantastic shape. You have to be incredibly coordinated to be good at soccer. So I hold soccer athletes to the highest respect. I think if you have young kids, it's a great sport to get your kids involved with to get them active. Because I think, you know, certain sports don't get your kids nearly as active as soccer does. Um, and there's not the, you know, 
physically damaging thing that can happen if you play football when you're a little kid versus playing soccer. So I think soccer is a great sport um, to get your kids involved. I just, I can't ever get into it. I just, I, I try and I just like, can't do it. It's for me. It's just, it's like hockey. I just like, I'm seeing the back and the forth with the ball or the puck. And I'm like this, this, and I'll look away and do something. And then I hear score and I'm like, Oh, cool. All right. You know, it's just, (laughs) and then, I'm looking at the clock and it's like, it counts up to like 90 minutes, but then it's past 90 minutes. And set. like, at one point I heard one of the commentators say, the referee is the only one who knows when this game's really going to end. I'm like, what kind of horse shit is that? Like, why don't they have like, thanks. Like, why don't they like a normal sport count down? Why? Uh, it, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. So it's like, Oh, they add minutes for stoppage. Why don't you just stop the clock then when there's a stoppage and then, Hit continue and it keeps going. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. I does I I don't know. I just don't get it. Steve, my, Mike posed this question to me and I honestly didn't know how to answer. Do you know the answer to that? Of why? I think it's, it's just like... I think it's just how they've always done. I mean, yeah. soccer's been one of the most original sports in the world. So I think probably just when they were doing it, it just we didn't have the not the capabilities. Obviously you can like stock a clock like the how they used to do on yeah. wrestling, but I'm sure it's just how they've done it for forever and they just always count it up and then just add the time on because obviously if you count down you can't go negative which obviously like they would have had to do if they didn't they weren't stopping the clock but yeah yeah, it probably would have made more sense (laughs) they did it back then but i'm sure it's just one of those things that when they started they just continued just like uh tennis scoring I think it's the most ridiculous thing ever. True. <laughs> I don't understand that scoring either. That's a, yeah, I, I don't get it. There's just things that's spo- yeah. yeah. <laughs> love, love. Why can't they just call it zero zero? But uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure they look at American football too sometimes and some of the things they like, say why is or it do. Six and, points. Like, like what's yeah. the point of that? Yeah, that, that's true too. Yeah. There's a lot of dumb things about all sports. I think that that don't really make sense. But someone was just like, eh, that's the rule. We're sticking to it. Right. So I think that's what the what's that's the deal with soccer, with counting down. And I totally understand, Mike, like the, the stance that you have, because I think that's the more popular stance in the United States. I, I just don't think soccer, unfortunately, has caught on to the masses. Obviously, there's these little bubbles of people that enjoy MLS. We talked about this on a prior episode about how much Steve really enjoyed going to the MLS games out in Utah. Um, so and there are people that enjoy soccer who played and everything. But yeah, it's because of the the lower amount of scoring, right? It's not as fast paced as all of the other big sports. So it's all right, Mike. I'm not judging you. It's okay. I totally yeah. get it. I, I know you have a short attention span. I, I, I'm, that's 100% true. My mom would tell you that, that I have a short attention span. <laughs> oh, man. All and right. not to get not to get political, it is sad for the fans because Qatar, again, in the Middle East, they have the different religious views and everything, which is completely fine. But there is no beer or alcohol in these games. I know a lot of the European fans were upset. And there has been a couple of arrests and people have been keeping track. So uh, for as much shit as Elon's Twitter is getting, I've seen a lot of posts of people keeping track of people that have been pulled from games and arrested. And just hoping that all the fans are okay. Just know that like you're in a different country. Obviously, our podcast won't reach out to those people. Just... <laughs> Just be careful because we've seen, obviously, with our own country with Brittany Griner, that just because you're in a different country, you kind of got to abide by whatever rules they set, even though it's not as much fun to watch a soccer game without alcohol. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) And those fans will still get just as crazy without alcohol, I truly believe. For sure. For Uh, sure. 
Uh, we'll move on from soccer. Give Money Mike his uh, his relief from having to listen to us talk about uh, football. And we'll talk about a little bit here with the Syracuse basketball team, who were able to pull out last night a big win. And by big, Probably I mean, they, yeah, they, they beat Richmond uh, in overtime last night. Joe Girard was able to kind of carry the team with his offense for the first half, and then they were able to do just enough in the second half during the late game surge by Richmond to pull out the victory, going to, uh, I believe, is 3-1 and one on the season now, uh, their only loss being to Colgate. 3-1, um, and one, so, they're currently playing St. John's, and they're winning 17-8. to eight. Let's go. All right, well, I'm excited to throw that on after we're done here. But, uh, Money Mike, what are your thoughts on the, the way the Syracuse team is composed this year? Are you worried about the lack of shooting ability? Are you happy about the more athletic nature of the team? What are your thoughts? I'm, more, so I'm excited about the athletic ability. I am concerned about the, the shooting. Um, obviously, I was there in person for Colgate where we got killed by Colgate, which was not 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 fun to, to watch. Great seats, but not fun to watch. Um and so I, I definitely don't know where Syracuse will be at the end of the season. I don't think that they're necessarily – they're not a team I'm really confident in making the NCAA tournament. I hate to say that. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, they're a very young team. Um, and, uh, hey, if they were able to pull off this one against St. John's, St. John's is 5-0. and Maybe that's going to be a good confidence booster for this team. But really, I, I'm, I'm waiting to really hold my true assessment of Syracuse until I see them competing in the ACC against some of the tougher competition. Like, if they just get blown away by all the really good teams in the ACC, then I'll be like, yeah, Syracuse won't make the tournament. But right now, you know, it, 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 it's hard. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that they lost to Colgate. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I'm just excited for basketball, as I always am. You know, Syracuse for college and then the Boston Celtics for the NBA. It's just it's really fun for me. Uh, so I'm just optimistic, and like you, I'm excited to watch the rest of the Syracuse St. John's game. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Syracuse team continues on this season. Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with everything Mike said. I think it's just a young Syracuse team, and we say it every year, even when they're not young, when the the days which feel long gone, when you get a lot of veteran players on a team in any college sports. Uh, you always had to wait whether we were in the Big East or ACC now until conference play to really see what a team's made of. And that d- doesn't go for Syracuse as well, too, but pretty much any team as well. So, yeah, I miss no. the Big East. Yeah, yeah, the Big East was fantastic for college basketball, man. I, I definitely miss those days as well. But it's uh, it's interesting to see that, obviously, I am wearing a Buffalo uh shirt here we're talking about Syracuse basketball solely on this podcast I guess I can say real quick that the UB men's basketball team is not looking that fantastic this year and we'll just leave it at that they have two wins on the season they did beat Colgate so maybe they are better than Syracuse who knows but uh yeah they have not been able to live up to their competition they did just beat George Mason but before that they lost to Connecticut James Madison and a couple others so uh looking like another uh, medium season for the Mac normal Mac contenders UB quick at some point today think about louisville basketball over like the years that we were watching them play syracuse in the big east yeah at one point in their game today they had 21 points with like eight minutes to go in the game they had 13 first half points and like only 21 points with like eight minutes to go they finished with 38 but so that's bad that's really bad that's a real fall from grace from where louisville used to be yeah they they, they lost to some bad teams who'd they lose to texas tech 70 to 38 was the final score I mean, Texas Tech is a good team, but they, they've they, lost to, to a couple other not-so-great teams. Like they're, they're 0-5 this year. Yeah, they're well, that's what happens when you don't have prostitutes banging the recruits. So, 
Shout out to Rick Pitino. All right, so we'll move on to uh, some NBA talk here. Since we have a little bit more time with this podcast here, we had a few less topics. We're finally going to get the guys' thoughts on who they think is going to make the NBA Finals this year. Normally, we would do this prior to the season, but since we had so much NFL talk throughout the weeks, we had to push it off to now. And now that it's a little bit into the season, the guys kind of have an idea of what the lay of the land is. So I think they'll be able to make a little bit better prediction uh, this season. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you this time. Are the Utah Jazz going to make the NBA Finals? No, but that'd be awesome if they do. I mean, they are the number one team in the West, and I've been really down on my team before the season started and then really optimistic for how they've been looking. I, I mean, I'm fully on board for them now, and I do believe they're going to make the playoffs. Um, uh, hopefully it's it's within even that top eight, and then we can see how they do in the playing game with some of those other teams as well, too. Um, but out of the West, we were talking about it before, the West is actually really wide open. Um, I do think Golden State's going to make a run at the end of the year. I know they're out of playoff contention right now. It's obviously extremely, extremely early, but um, I think I'm going to go with the generic pick and go with the Suns. They're in second right now. They just seem to be that team that in the regular season plays super tough, and as long as they stay healthy, they should be winning a lot of these games. They haven't played in the playoffs that well lately. I mean, obviously, they had that deep run a few years ago, um, but we just saw this team, how they could come together in the bubble before they had even some of these other key pieces. Um, I don't know if this going to be their year to win, because I do think we talked about it also before. The East is very strong this year. I think whatever team out of the East that makes it, will be the NBA champions. And with that case, I probably would have picked this team to come out of the East to begin the season with. You know, Mike's Celtics are in the lead. I do think it's going to be the Bucks again, coming out of the East. Um, I That means probably based on the predictions, what I just said, they might repeat. But um, yeah, I just think Giannis is too strong. His role players behind him are just know their position. Uh, I just think they look... They look great. He's pretty unstoppable, and it's kind of hard to pick against them right now in the East. Yeah, Mike might have a different call on that, but we'll let him have the floor for it. Yeah, and Money Mike, I'll give you the floor first, and then I'll give you my weak, mediocre NBA analysis afterwards. Yeah, so I, I agree with Steve on one of the two teams that he picked. Um, I pick. I, I do think that the Phoenix Suns will be the team that comes out of the West. Right now, I think that they... Uh, are looking the best of the teams in the West. I know they have the best record, but I think that they're ultimately going to be the best team. Um, Devin Booker is probably one of the best, if not the best two guard right now in the league. Um, I know that Clay Thompson has the best resume, but I think that he Clay is not playing nearly as well as Clay could be. Cause I don't think he's nearly that in his basketball shape yet. And I do think golden state will make a run. Um, definitely. It is wide open. You have teams like Denver, the Clippers. I don't, I'm not picking the Clippers because I can't, you know, is Kawhi going to be playing? I don't know. He, he's starting you know, to and the, off, man. The, and the, the amount that and the, he doesn't play is so frustrating because you want the, him to play. He's so dynamic. Yeah, and the Clippers as a franchise have never even made the Western Conference Finals. So it's hard to pick the Clippers to do anything too significant. Um, you know, Denver never seems to stay healthy. Memphis is always fun to watch, uh, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to be strong enough to get to the to the NBA Finals. Uh, speaking uh, of Memphis real quick, Ian says he is a Grizzlies fan, actually, because he played them. He played the Vancouver Grizzlies on NBA Jam. Never would have guessed. Interesting. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, John Morant is so dynamic and fun to watch. Uh, 
pretend to be a Grizzlies fan. So yeah, absolutely. Luka Doncic for the Mavericks. I mean, the West is so wide open, but I think out of that group, I would pick the Suns. The East is, and in terms of like the teams that are at the top, I think the teams at the top of the East might even be better than the teams at the top of the West right now. Um, but in terms of the conference, the West, I think, has a lot more competition than the East does because the East is a little more top-heavy. Um, to me, the East is between three teams. It's between uh, Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. Um, and I think that the Celtics, if we ha- have Robert Williams in the defensive presence, the way that the Celtics have been playing offensively this year, I think the Celtics are on a mission to get back to the finals because I think Tatum is so driven because he played so poorly in the finals. Jalen Brown's playing fantastic. We're shooting well from three. Once we get Robert Williams back, our defense is going to be locked down like it was before. Um, who knows what Chris Middleton's health is going to be for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, that's a huge factor for them. If he's back, I'm definitely scared of the Bucks, and we don't see the Bucks until Christmas Day. Um and Cleveland, uh, obviously the Celtics have played them twice this year and lost to them both times in overtime. But I, I don't, I'm not picking them just because they're my favorite team. I, as I was talking about the Giants earlier, I'm, I, I'm pretty realistic when it comes to my teams. I think the Celtics just are on a mission, and I think that they have overall the best team in the Eastern Conference. So I think they're going to go to the NBA Finals, and I think they're going to win it. I really do. I'm that confident in the Boston Celtics. Banner number 18 to be raised to the rafters. Let's go. That's fantastic. Let's go. Man. I'll, I'll be. I of all the teams that you like, I do enjoy rooting for the Celtics. There's no hatred for, from me towards the Celtics, even though you like them. And I think it's because they're a fun team to watch. Uh, Jalen Brown and uh, Tatum, two fantastic teams or er, players to watch. Like I've said before on this show, I think they're the best one-two punch in the NBA right now, uh, with the way they've been playing. Um, so on the Eastern side, I'm also going to pick the Celtics. Actually, I think that, yeah, let's yeah go. <laughs> I would agree. I, I love their roster. I love the big white dude that you were talking about last time. I forgot what his name was again. Luke Cornette. Luke, Luke Cornette. You gotta love Luke Cornette. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like you said, Robert Williams is a big factor. That, that man is a beast in the paint. So, and he um, hasn't played this year and we're 13 and four. Right. Yeah. So he can only make that team better. So I, I think you, you guys are, are poised for another run. I agree with you, Steve. The Bucs are really their biggest competition, I would think. Um, and like you said, Mike, it really just if Middleton is able to stay healthy and is able to play at the level that we know he can play, then obviously they're an issue for anyone. But I think the Celtics are going to win the East this year. Um, and then I also agree with you guys as well with the Suns. And that, that's literally all just because of looking at the, the standings in the West and towards the top, there's not like those normal teams that you're like, man, this team is stacked and you know for sure that they're going to make a run and, and win. Like, like the Warriors are so down towards the bottom, and it's like you have to kind of worry a little bit. They're eight, eight and ten, below five hundred. That's uh, that's a rough look for them right now. And the Suns that they've they've been in the mix the past couple of years, and and I, I think they're going to be able to make a run again. And I, I always root for the Suns because I was a huge Steve Nash fan back in the day too. So, um, oh, man, that was a fun team to watch. Steve Nash, yeah. Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion. That was that was a yeah. team that we had. We I mean. I, I joke that I wish I was a kid when Larry Bird was playing for the Celtics because uh, I think that if we were kids when Larry Bird was playing Drew, he would have been your favorite player. Come on, let's. Larry Legend was the, was a beast. But I, I, I mean, there were so many fun teams to watch when we were kids. Like you had the Houston Rockets with Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming. You had Sean Marion, Steve Nash, and uh, Amari Stoudemire for Phoenix. Dirk in Dallas. You had Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal uh, in Los Angeles, and then Shaq and D Wade in Miami. Um, Every team had you a know. big star that you could root for. Yeah, Denver had yeah. Carmelo Anthony. The Nets had Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, Vince Carter. Um, the Spurs were not necessarily fun to watch, but they were dominant. <laughs> yeah, right. 
yeah, the, the Jazz had Derek Williams and Andre Kurlenko. I mean, come on. Like, there, there were some... Carlos Boozer. Yeah. <laughs> you, had the mal- you had the malice at the Palace with Ron Artest and Stephen yeah. Jackson for the Indiana, Indiana Pacers. Yeah, we, we grew up during a fantastic era of basketball. I think it was the last really good era of basketball, in my opinion. I think now it's a little too soft and a little... A little, little too many, too many three-point prayers, um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in another podcast. But uh, yeah, so I think the Suns and the Celtics will be win- uh, going to the finals so far in this NBA season. Um, Mike, I, I mean, you kind of what's that? <laughs> I just look at the graphic, Daniel Tice. <laughs> Daniel Tice. Yeah. So uh, to, to cap off the show, Mike, I know you said that you already kind of gave us an update and. How Boston is looking, obviously, they just lost their winning streak, so that that's unfortunate for you. Um, yeah. But anything else on Boston? Uh, no, just like right now, the Celtics are 13-4. and four. They had a nine-game win streak going into their game against the Chicago Bulls last night, but they lost. Uh, you definitely noticed that on the inside presence, the Celtics were missing Robert Williams in that particular game. Like, it's like, oh, man, if they had him, then they would – uh, they probably would have won a whole different ball game. The Celtics' four losses come to, from only two teams. They've lost twice to the Bulls in Chicago, and they've lost two games to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, but they've won against everybody else. Um, this week they will be playing the Dallas Mavericks, who it always seems to come down to a last-minute shot where Luca hits it at the end and breaks our hearts. So that's gonna be a tough game. But it isn't. They have a six-game home stretch. They play the Mavericks. They play the Kings. They play the Wizards, the Hornets, the Heat, and then they will play the Heat again uh, in Boston before. Uh, going on the road. So wake up, Steve. We're almost done. Uh, right now, <laughs> I, I, you know what I'm doing for the first time because I really, I, I really have like just because I have so much faith in the team and I'm having so much fun watching them. I'm actually going to subscribe to NBA League Pass so I can watch every game this oh, season. Yeah. Um, so I, there was a free trial with Amazon Prime, so I'm taking advantage of that. But it's only I looked at it, I'm like, it's fifteen dollars a month, and the Celtics play eighty two games. So if you break it down financially, it's like a dollar a day. There to watch go. the Celtics play. And then and the nights where they're not playing, if there's a really good matchup of two teams and I'm not doing anything that night, I can put on an NBA game of any, any game I want. So to me, it's totally worth the money. Yeah. So No, that, that's fantastic. It will help you speak even more to the other teams in the NBA when you come on for your podcast. So that, that'll be uh, very good as well. Steve, uh, give us an update on the Jazz. Are, are they uh, still poised to make it? I mean, they are the number one team in the West. They are... Um... They are 12 and 7 right now. They did just beat the Suns a few nights ago. They did lose to the Clippers last night. Um, Paul George less Clippers and Kawhi, so that's a little Ooh, tough. But yeah, that's right. But it, it, it is the NBA. Everyone's a professional athlete, can come in. Um, but the big record, just like Mike Celtics, uh, the Jazz are also 6 and 1 at home. So, like Mike said before, I mean, the Jazz really hold down Vivint Arena. And the fans there go crazy. It's almost always a sellout. Um, tickets are always usually pretty expensive, actually, because it's a fun atmosphere to be in. So I just think they're going to be a tough team at home. And then when they go away, they're about 50-50 right now, which, again, if Thongs are winning at home, that's a great record. So I do think the Jazz are going to be posed to be in that top eight in the playoffs in the West. Um, hopefully they get top six and get to avoid the play-in. But yeah, I mean, they're playing well right now, playing as a team. Everyone's kind of defining their role still, I think, um, on the Jazz. And it's just been exciting to kind of watch the highlights. Like Mike, I've also looked in the NBA League Pass. Especially, I had it back in Utah because um, the games were on at a reasonable time then, at 8, 8 o'clock at night most of the time, where I could go to bed around 10 or 10.30, where here the Jazz game starts usually around 10 at their home game. So 
I, I did not get NBA League Pass for the years I've been back here in New York. I wish I could, but it is what it is. That's what happened to the West Coast time mm-hmm. and everything. But no, it's uh, again, we all know my prediction for the Jazz at the start of the season, and obviously I'm very happy that I was incorrect about how this Jazz team is performing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm glad to hear both of your teams are killing it right now. Hopefully that continues for the rest of the season. I have two points to make here. Number one, Money Mike, it's very funny that you just said that Larry Bird was going to be my favorite player if I was alive during the time that he played when Vince Carter was my favorite player. And I don't think I could think of two starkly different players, <laughs> Vince Carter and Larry Bird. But, hey, that that's fair. Larry Bird was fantastic. I will admit that. Did you watch those that highlight video I sent you? Just wa- watch it. Larry Bird, okay. you'll fall in love with him. I have, I have watched Larry Bird highlights before. They're, they are fantastic. He's very crafty with the ball, obviously one of the best shooters of all time. But One of the, one of the greatest <laughs> press conferences was when <laughs> – Isaiah Thomas and, you know, uh, Dennis Rodman had said the only reason that Larry Bird was uh, successful or seemed seemed as elevated as a, of a player as he was by the media was because he was white, not black. They're like, oh, if he was black, he'd be just another guy. And so they had a press conference where Larry Bird and Isaiah had to address this. And Larry Bird, uh, like Larry Bird didn't care. Like, it didn't bother him at all. He's like, I don't care. It shouldn't bother you. It doesn't bother me. It shouldn't bother you. He goes, I feel pretty fortunate that I can play in the NBA and having not being able to run and I can't jump. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's scaring into this kid. I love that. Um, but the the second point I wanted to make before we sign off here is the fact that I am really rooting for the Sacramento Kings. I hope they make the playoffs. They That would end the longest playoff drought in, I think, the, the big four sports. Because I think they... Be. Looking talk- good right now. I mean, 9-6. That's not bad in yeah. the West. Because we talked about it before, but I think they haven't made it since like 0-3, 0-4 or something I hope like they that. Lose, I yeah. hope they lose on Friday. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But either way, uh, shout out to the Sacramento Kings. Hopefully they are successful here. But we are going to sign off here. Uh, another great show of another damn sports podcast with my friends Money Mike, Gilcrest, and Steve, the Oracle Den Blakers. Thank you so much for everybody in the chat. The chat was bumping today. Thank you for the raid by Shirai Ryu TV and Ian Poseidon Super Smash Bros. You guys are awesome. Uh, shout out to Dave, David, Sir Burrito Bandit, everybody in the chat. Um, I hope you guys enjoy week 12 of the NFL season and enjoy your Thanksgiving. Take care.